Hello, and welcome to the Wedding Dish Podcast. Grab your fork and knife and take a seat at our table as we dish on all things wedding. You'll hear stories and tips from real couples and wedding professionals about love, life, and entrepreneurship. I am Sarah Alipin, the host of The Wedding Dish and CEO of Photos from the Hardy and District Bliss. And behind me, I have my Snorosaurus Rex, Clouseau, the French bulldog bud who um, just loves to hang out in his podcast chair and snore like an old man. Um, so I today have a very fun guest with me, a fellow photographer, and um, he actually specializes in many things, but one of the the things I love that he does very, very well is proposal photography. So we're going to be talking today about proposal photography with Chris Ferenzi, the photographer behind Chris Ferenzi Photography. Welcome and thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Glad to be here again. <laughs> yes, you are a returning guest. Um, he came on in season four, actually, which wasn't very long ago. Now that I think about it. Should make it should make it a seasonal thing, just so you know, you have some uh some input and advice and wisdom from Chris Frenzy every season. I mean, I feel like we could make that happen. We can maybe do an episode just on dogs at weddings. I've been thinking about that. We could bring Katie in. That would be fun. That is a topic that I've been wanting to cover with Katie, who um, is the CEO of Paw Inclusive, um, because she does dog wrangling at weddings sometimes. She also does dog boarding and all kinds of stuff like that. But um, yeah, Chris Chris and I both love dogs. Um, he has a little, um, what did you call her? A Puerto Rican street dog? Is that what you referred to her as? That's like an official designation. A uh... She's a Puerto Rican street dog. A street dog um, is like the official designation. Basically, she's a super mutt. She um, was born in Puerto Rico and did an ancestry test, and it was like indeterminate back to the grandparents, the grand dog parents. Um, so there's really no way to know what she is. It's it had a little bit of dachshund and actually had some mini schnauzer in there, but it also had some lab, which is odd because she's 15 pounds and, you know, not very she – not very lab-like. So, she is so stinking cute. Like she is cute. She is very she cute. Should, she, I feel like she should be a breed of dog. <laughs> she should. And I mean, she's been great as a model for me. I just when I practice studio lighting, I just kind of plop her right there and use her as a <laughs> as a model to get my lighting all set up. She, her name is Jadzia, by the way, is. for those of you out there who have not had the pleasure of meeting her. <laughs> And she's named after a character from Star Trek and Deep, Deep Space Nine. So that's a deep cut right there. Yep. Yeah. Only I think only five people ever have um, realized uh, or understood the reference when I told them her name. And I know it's only five because it's only five. I counted them with my fingers. Um, so I remember them all. <laughs> Did you – is Larry in that group, my friend Larry, that you met in L.A.? Yes, which is to be expected since he is the uh, the um, the source for all things Trek. He is Doctor Trek, Larry Nemechek. <laughs> so if he if he didn't know the reference, then I would have been uh, highly suspicious of his <laughs> his Star Trek knowledge claims. But his he passed business. the test. Yes, he passed the test. I love it. Well, I'm really glad that you're here. Um, I'm really excited to be talking with you about um, surprise proposals. So let's dish. Um, so first of all, you know, let's start with the very, very basics here. So when you're, um, and by you, I mean not you, Chris, but um, you as in listener, <laughs> when our listeners are choosing a surprise proposal location, um, what are some thoughts, tips, suggestions you have surrounding that? Um, well, I generally, I mean, I have a list of locations that um, I've shot at before and locations that I'd like to shoot at that I sort of send over uh, to prospective clients. Um, they include the, the National Mall. Um, you know, all the different monuments, 
various parks around the city, like Meridian Hill Park, which is very popular, National Love Arboretum, Park. Um, museums, which were easier to shoot at and in before the pandemic. But those yeah. were always um, those were always good spots. Um, if it was raining in inclement weather, you could do the proposal inside the museum. So I recommend that as like a backup location um, if the weather was bad, but it's harder to do now, like I said. Um, the waterfront uh, in Alexandria or Georgetown, um, a lot of people are attached to the idea of waterfront proposal, either because like, you know, they're into sailing, kayaking, or they just like the general vibe of, you know, sunset on the water. So some of those options, you know, I, I Jones Point Lighthouse, for example, which is um, something you showed me actually when I was helping you at a wedding. Um, oh, really? Yep. The Jones Point Lighthouse, it's in, um, what, what's that park? Uh, it's in Alexandria, in Jones Point Park. Well, yeah, there we go. Jones Point Park in Alexandria. Um, that is an awesome spot. I've recommended that. And so far, I've done like four proposals there. And every time, it's it's awesome. Plus, I'm rambling here. But plus, it's also an interesting spot for photography because you have like a classical look with the lighthouse. And you also – the park also is underneath the 495 um, bridge, and which is really architecturally interesting. So I always try to work in, you know, the curves and angles of the bridge, um, getting some cool silhouettes and just interesting compositions. So I, I like that location because it has, you know, both sides of, you know, my type of um, my preferences for shooting so we can capture everything for the couple. Um, but yeah, going back to, uh, you know, how to choose uh, a location. Uh, first, it depends on the couple's um preference in terms of um the level of their level of you know how, how public they want the proposal to be some couples are more private than others um some people love the idea of a crowd of people um clapping and you know congratulating them after the proposal and filming their filming their proposal with their iphones and then they <laughs> send the, they send the videos they airdrop the videos to them afterwards um in that case you know the probably the the uh the best spot for that in dc is on the national mall at the Lincoln Memorial um, or the Jefferson Memorial. Those are usually where they're at the most people. Supreme Court's a good one for that too. Supreme Court. Um, yes, there's there's not nearly as many people there as um, the Jefferson and the Lincoln. The Lincoln's probably the most popular tourist spot and there's always tons of people there. So if you want a proposal and you want a huge audience, that's where you want to go. Supreme Court's really nice, and there's always like a, a little, a few, a couple tourists there at all, pretty much any time of the day. So if you want less of an audience and a little more private privacy, um, that's that's also a nice spot. But also on the National Mall, you have the DC War Memorial, which is sort of nestled in a little little forested area. Um, not many people know about uh, on the National Mall. That's a little more private, but you still have tourists. So pretty much anywhere on the National Mall is not somewhere you want to propose if you're uncomfortable with other people watching. So it's more, it's definitely more public. So if you're okay with that, definitely propose on, propose on the National Mall. Another reason some people propose on the National Mall is because either they met in D.C. or they have another reason for you know wanting wanting to capture the D.C. feel. Maybe they're getting married in Ohio or something because they're from Ohio, but they met in D.C. Um, so they want to capture you know the, what's quintessentially D.C. in their in the background of the proposal photos. In which case, I would recommend the Na National Mall. Because that is quintessentially D.C. You see that anyone in the world will know that's in Washington D.C. Yeah. So that's that's um, that's in terms of the National Mall. Um, there's also, if you want to be more private with your proposal, there's a couple gardens around the city um, that I, I uh, recommend a lot. Bishop's Garden at the National Cathedral. Um, it's generally pretty um, pretty empty, um, except on the weekends during the day. But I usually recommend a, a sunset proposal. I recommend some sunset proposals regardless of, you know, the day. Agreed. But, but sunset proposals at Bishop's Garden are really nice because there's very few people there. Um, there's also a, something I recently discovered called the uh, Tregaran Cons Conservancy. Oh, um, yeah, in Georgetown. Mm, no, no, no. It's the – that's um, – I think you're thinking of um, – what's it? Tudor, Tudor Place? The Tregarin or Tregarin Conservancy is up near the National Cathedral. I thought it – I think I'm just wrong in my D.C. geography. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't know it existed until someone was like, I want to propose here. And I'm like, okay, let's let's propose there. Um, it's basically in the middle of the, middle of the, uh, the woods. Um, 
So there's like complete privacy. Um, the, uh, the, the guy who was proposing, I want to do a little picnic. So we set up a picnic beforehand. Well, actually his friends set up the picnic beforehand and then they arrived um, and had a little picnic and then uh, the proposal happened. So, you know, that's a great spot if you're interested in, well, if you're not interested in it uh, being a public proposal. Yeah. So th those are things to consider, like whether or not you want to have it to be a public or private proposal, um, whether or not you have a specific attachment to DC, in which case you do monuments. Um, and there's um, all, uh, options for like a rain, a rain plan, which are in the museums um, and even inside Lincoln Memorial is one of my favorite spots for, for rain. So you had, have backup locations um, as well as primary locations. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's also, you know, so speaking in terms of like choosing the location, um, what recommendations would you have regarding, um, you know, the logistics of getting your significant other to go to this place? <laughs> Um, well, there's a couple different ways to do that. Um, a lot of the time it's, Hey, let's go out to dinner. Let's have a nice dinner. Um, you know, near the national mall, which is kind of funny because there's really no restaurants near the national mall. Nope. Actually, I wrote up a big list talking about the restaurants that were closest to the national mall and the nearest one's like a 15 minute walk. But Regardless, it's a it's a good cover story, uh, a date night, and then hey, let's go walk on the National Mall, which is a romantic thing to do in, in the evening, um, at around sunset, which is again my favorite time for proposals. So that's a good way to get them get them there. Um, I mentioned having a picnic earlier um, in one of the, the gardens. That's a good a good way to do it. Hey, let's just you know go have a picnic. If you don't picnic regularly, it might be a little weird. So you might want to use that only if you sort of picnic, you know, on this isn't the only time you picnicked ever in your relationship. So um, <laughs> a couple recently, they uh, he proposed in the morning, actually. They usually go jogging on uh, around the, um, the tidal, not the tidal basin, the reflecting pool. Um, so he proposed. They were both in gym clothes, which is kind of funny, but he proposed to her on their run. So it's something that they would normally do. So she would really have no idea it was going to happen. Um so yeah, he proposed to her and they were both kind of sweaty. It was really funny and uh, they were both into it. So that was, that was great. Um, I kind of love that because it's just really them, you know? Exactly. Yeah. You want to do something that's you, like you don't want to just pick something out of the blue. Like I said, if you don't picnic, don't have a picnic in some random spot because then it'll be or a huge start, start the precedent that you are a picnicker in yeah. advance. <laughs> Yeah, like if you want to propose in a year, just start the start the picnics, the monthly picnics, you know, a year in advance, and then by the time you propose, you'll you'll be picnickers. I love that. Um, those are some great suggestions. So you've said a couple times, and I I suspect I know the answer, but let's have you share with our listeners. Um, why is sunset your favorite time for proposals? There's like an argument among, well, a disagreement, a friendly disagreement among most photographers, whether or not sunrise or sunset is the best lighting. Both have a golden hour, um, which is the best lighting before, right before the sun rises and a little bit after the sun rises or uh, like an hour before sunset. I prefer sunset lighting because, well, Let's be honest. I don't want to get up at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, to yeah, we're not early risers here. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I like the quality of light in the evening more. Um, and the sun sets in the west, and that provides lighting on the Washington Monument in a way that looks awesome when you're shooting from the Lincoln Memorial, which is probably my most popular spot, um, you have nice, nice, uh, warm backlighting. That's, it's not too bright. If it was middle, middle of the day, you have too much backlighting and it doesn't really look great, but sunset backlighting of the Washington monument from the Lincoln Memorial looks fantastic. Um, so that's why I like the sunset because you have that nice golden light. Um, and the, just the direction of it, um, is more um, is is easier to work with um, from the National Mall. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, I also think 
because you and I are both Nikon users, and now this is a dig deep thing that most people wouldn't really like think too much about, but we are Nikon users, and the way that Nikons capture, I prefer sunset, whereas the way Canon captures, I prefer sunrise. Yeah, all the different cameras, all different camera companies and models, even models within Nikon, capture colors slightly differently. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, I stick with Nikon because I like the way it captures, you know, captures yeah. light. You know, as a photographer, that's what you should be focused on, how something captures the light. Um, yeah, absolutely. Also, unrelated to that, ergonomics. I'm just so used to Nikon ergonomics, you know. That's yeah. neither here nor there, but – that's I'm super jealous of the wheel they have on the back on Canon, but yeah, as a I've lefty, been... I can't use their menu. It it's like not it doesn't work with being a left-handed person and adjusting the aperture and shutter speed, having to like hold any sort of button while doing yeah. that is just not with my right hand. It's just not coordinated enough. Everything's backward. I do agree about the wheel because Nikon can, has always had this little this little it's the shape of a wheel but it's like a four-way button and like to scroll through pictures you have to like either push the button really really fast or hold it down and then it doesn't really move through the pictures quickly it just moves slowly but automatically slowly um can you just spin the dial and you're back like 50 pictures so i'm jealous of that yeah yeah me too me but too another reason i like at least um at least in my experience i don't know the newer how the newer camera models um handle dynamic range but um, the Nikon, the, the base ISO of Nikon is usually um, 64 in the higher end cameras, whereas for Canon, it's 100. Um, and even between 100 and, and 64, I notice a difference between the dynamic range, um, which essentially means how much um, detail you can capture in a single exposure in the highlights and in the shadows. So the more the more the higher the dynamic range, the more information you have in the image to work with, and that's nice. I keep going back to the Lincoln Memorial because it's again it's one of my favorite spots. Sometimes I do proposals during the day from inside the Lincoln Memorial with the background as the Washington Monument, and if it's middle of the day, it's full sun overhead, illuminating the background, and inside the Lincoln Memorial, it's a lot darker. So. You have to be conscious of the, how the background is going to look because if you expose to the people in the Lincoln Memorial, the background is going to be completely washed out. So the way I uh, the way I handle that is I shoot super super low ISO ISO sixty four to get the most dynamic range. Um, I expose closer to the background than interior because you can uh, recover your shadows, whereas you can't really recover uh, blown highlights. So this yeah. is a tip for the this is a tip for the photographers if they want to yeah. shoot, shoot in that particular spot, uh, shoot at the the ISO with your highest dynamic range and um, expose more for the background than the foreground, and then you can just bring up the shadows in in post production. Um, sometimes it's just so bright, even that doesn't work. Um, so depending on the situation, I might do like a bracketed exposure. So I'll set my camera up to do a, you know a plus minus a third stop. Um, so you just hold the button down, you get one exposure, then the next click is automatic. You get minus a third, then a plus a third stop. And then I just do an HDR composite in, uh, in Lightroom or Photoshop after, after the fact. So that's another way in really, really bright conditions, you know, when the, the, the couple's in shade um, and the background's really bright to get a nice composition. Because if, if you're proposing in that specific spot in the Lincoln Memorial, you want to know the Washington Monument is there. You don't want to know that a a bright sort of fuzzy, you know, super white version is in the background that you can't really make out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, great, great suggestions. Um, all right. So we've got our location. We've got kind of our cover story and we've got our time of the day. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, well, at, I guess let's stay in time of the day for one second and talk about night proposals. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I'll just say right off the bat, this is why you don't want your friend or, you know, a friend of a friend who knows how to use the camera to be shooting your proposal at, at, um, at night. And we, when I say night and when you say night, it means after the sun sets. So yes. it's dark, it's dark out. There's no golden light. The sun is below the horizon. It's dark. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of ways, a couple of ways to handle 
to handle that. Um, the first, the first thing I uh, recommend is again going back to the Lincoln. The Lincoln Memorial is one of the most popular spots, but there's a reason because it's so popular. It's super versatile. You get, you can either have the, it as the background, the Washington Monument is the background. You can be inside, you can be outside, so it's covered for the rain, and uh, there's just so many different um, benefits to shooting there. But um, at nighttime, if you're inside, it's pretty well lit along um, the side corridors. I, I don't know if you can call them corridors, but the the open areas along the sides of the the monument that are covered behind the columns. That's a. Um, I mean, it's 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 not super bright. You have to sort of push your camera uh, to the higher ISO and the lower shutter speed. Um, I think when I was there, I did a surprise proposal there on new year's eve a couple of years back it was like 15 degrees out awful idea but the guy wanted to do that so i was like okay but i think my exposure was like f1 for 50th of a second um iso like 5000 so it's definitely that's tough tough but if they were in the outs if they were outside the monument in just darkness even if you shot super high super high iso like say you know twenty five thousand pushing your camera to the extreme limit there's no light for it to work with so you just have this weird sort of flat ambient darkness um where you can sort of make make them out but it's just it's not good so that might yeah. my first my first recommendation is just obviously to do it somewhere where there is illumination of some sort um but if they if they want to do it elsewhere i had a couple i didn't have a couple i had a a a a guy who wanted to propose um the couple doesn't generally want to propose together so um the guy wanted to propose at the georgetown waterfront in a spot where there was absolutely no light whatsoever so i was like okay we can make it work i sort of warned them in situations like this i'm like you know it's dark um it's going to be a little more challenging in this particular spot because there's no um there's no light at all um and You'll get fewer pictures because in the dark, it can take a little longer to get fo- to focus the image properly. Um, and, you know, it's just you could have blurry images, which will be u- not useful um, to them. Um, but in a situation like that, I will light light the proposal with my you know off-camera flash. Um, so I arrive early and I set up a light stand sort of hidden. Um it's kind of hard to hide a light stand, but I do my best to, ha- to hide the light stand. Usually, I was no just one- thinking. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's usually like against a tree or like a, a lamp post or um, I'm trying to think of where I hid at that time. I think it was actually out in the open, but it was so dark that you couldn't tell it was there. Or if you did see it, you wouldn't really know what it was. Um, so I just, you know, wirelessly triggered those flashes um, and I light the couple. Obviously – they know she knows what's happening or he knows what he knows what's happening um, as soon as the first flash goes off. But that's really the only way to handle uh, shooting in a situation where it's complete, yeah. complete darkness. Um, worst case, you can use on camera flash, um, which I prefer not to do. But if you're really in a pinch and you don't have light stands, you don't have the capability for remotely controlling your flashes on camera flash will do the trick as long as you expose to the ambient in the background. Otherwise you just have bright white couple and it looks like they're in a big black dark room because you can't, yeah. there's, no, there's no context. Um, but yeah, I, um, my favorite method for that is off camera flash. Yeah. But yeah, there is, I mean, there's a lot of preparation for that though. You have to be there early. You have to set up um, the camera and, and the lights in the proper position. And then you have to test the exposure, you know, with yourself, or if you have an assistant, you test the exposure. And then you have to hope that they end up in this, in the precise spot you picked that where you uh, set the exposure you set, you set the spot to expose properly. Cause if they're too close to the lights, they're going to be overexposed. If they're too far away, they're going to be underexposed. Obviously if they're underexposed, it's not as a big deal if they're overexposed, but logistically it's, it's risky just because you don't necessarily know they're going to be in the exact spot that you planned for them to be in. You mean you so, don't mark it like they do when you hit your mark on like, a, you know, in theater or something where you put like a big piece of blue painters tape on the ground? <laughs> I mean, uh, at, at nighttime, that doesn't work very well. Um, unless it was glo- <laughs> the glowing tape strips, but that's super obvious. Um, Which nobody wants in their photos either. I'm no. totally kidding. So in general, I recommend, 
heavily against compl- like night nighttime shots unless they want to have them at a at a, a memorial or monument that has some lighting. Yeah. And I tell them why and if there's if they still really want to do it, we make it work, but I tell them the downsides so they can set their expectations accordingly. Yeah, I mean it's really I mean it's important to think about what it is that your goals are. If you really want to surprise that person, then having that flash go off like as soon as they arrive on scene is, yeah. you know, so you have to think about what your exact priorities are and and what makes most sense for you as a couple. You know, if if that is the only time that you can make it work, then that's the only time you can make it work. But if you have flexibility, I agree with all of the things you are uh, you're saying. Um, or at least like right after the sunset in the the blue hour, where you still have still have light, some very minimal minimal light, but you can work with that. You yeah, it's hard to work with complete, you know, darkness at ten p.m. And you know, it does change in the winter. It is significantly darker in general, um, Mm -hmm. at least here in DC versus, um, you know, in the summer you're going to have the sunset takes a lot longer. It it takes longer to go down. And, um, that's another reason that you, you know, it's important to have that conversation with your photographer. Um, if you're hiring a professional, um, and talk about like what you know what your options are in terms of timing because we know what what sunset means and we know what lighting means when um, when we're going into any sort of session um, whether that be like you know send a sparkler send off is going to have the same kind of thing where you have to set up the yeah um, have a sparkler send off at like three p.m. and it's like well why even have sparklers if you're going to do a send off at three p.m. get like rice or like something colorful. Because the sparklers just biodegradable confetti is a good one too. Sparklers just don't work at three p.m. Sparklers don't work, you know, in the golden hour. You have to wait until it's dark before the sparklers really pop. Yeah, and again, this is for wedding. I'm guessing most people don't have sparkler send offs at their proposal, although not a bad idea. Never, never had Um, had one of those yet. I've never seen one of those. Not a bad idea if you're looking to do something really interesting. Sparklers always make me nervous because there's so much hairspray and so many flammable things at weddings that I'm just like, oh, please keep that away from her hair or like his hair. There's like everyone's got spray. And And who's responsible for the sparklers? Is is it the venue? Is it is it like the which which, whichever vendor brought them? Like, is it the planner's fault or is it the makeup artist's fault for using hairspray? You just you never know. Ooh, That's a good question. I don't know. I would I would assume it goes under the venue's insurance. That would be my gut. But if something were to really happen and they were to sue people, I don't know how far they could sue out. (laughs) Well, that's why everyone has liability insurance. Yes. Well, yeah, I've never had anyone catch on fire from a sparkler exit. So I haven't either. It's just one of those weird fears that will yeah. always be in my heart whenever. It- <laughs> yeah, it probably is completely like very unlikely to ever happen. But yeah, you know, we both think of these things because we're kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, because we really care about the people that <laughs> we're around. <laughs> it's a mixture of that and just being uh, overly um, anxious uh, and awesome. anxious. Yes. Yes. Considering all the possible permutations of bad things that could possibly happen. <laughs> and planning for them so that, you know, emergencies are not quite so emergency-ish. Exactly. Um, and on that note, we are going to take a super fast break on The Wedding Dish. I will be right back with Chris Frenzy of Chris Frenzy Photography. And we are back on The Wedding Dish. I am Sarah Alipin, your host, uh, hostess with the mostest. And I have with me today Chris Ferenzi, the photographer behind Chris Ferenzi Photography. And he is dishing with us all about proposals, how to plan for them, best practices. And now we're going to roll into logistics, how to actually plan your surprise proposal. So tell us, Chris, how do you do it? Um, well, after the initial email communication, um, and signing of the contract, one of the first things that I ask for are photos of the two of them. And I ask for multiple photos in multiple situations, both photos of them together in the same shot 
and shots of them separately because as everyone knows you look different you look different in different pictures some people um look completely unlike what they look like in real life in you know the, the picture so just having a variety of pictures you know gives me a good idea of what they actually look like because knowing what some they look people, like is yeah I sorry ahead. i didn't mean to interrupt you some people no, change their hair good. like me i constantly change my hair um mm-hmm. some people send you photos that they think they look good in but it isn't actually yeah. a representation of or it was a positive experience but it's not a representation of what they look like go ahead i didn't I, mean to interrupt you in my experience if i get five pictures of someone um and four of them they look the same like they look like the same person in four of them and in the fifth shot fifth fifth shot they look slightly differently slightly different than the other four shots the fifth shot is always what they look like interesting so it's probably the same for dating with dating websites but like you want to look for the picture that's that is stands out not in a negative way but just in a different way um that's inconsistent with the rest of them and that's usually what they end up looking like which is amusing um to me but regardless knowing what people look like is very important because um when i've been i mean even when i've been doing proposals on the national mall sometimes there are other proposals going on at the same time and Photographing the wrong couple would be disastrous. Did you hear about the photographer that um, it was like in over some canyon on like a point? Yeah. You heard about this story? Yeah, um, somewhere, somewhere where you never thought there'd be two proposals. No, at the same time. Camp. And the photographer photographed the wrong proposal. There was no service there. The couple ran late. And then the photographer was gone by the time the couple got there because they didn't communicate to the photographer. They were running late and someone else proposed at the exact same spot at the exact same time when it should have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why you need to communicate. Um, if you're going to be like out of cell service, you know, you need to make sure you have a plan in place, an exact time, um, you know, and, and an exact location for your proposal. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the, and one you of the need mes- to have contingency mm-hmm. plans in place. Exactly. Too. Yeah. That's, that's part of my planning process as well. Um, but like going back to the date and time, the date usually is a fixed date based on their schedule. So if it has to be a certain, it might, might have to be a certain day. So, you know, we have to work that day in time also is contingent on their plans. Um, but, you need to lock down that t- the date immediately and then lock down the time. I give them um, – I, 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 I like to lock down the time within a week of their proposal. So um, that's usually when you have a better idea of when dinner is going to be, for example, um, or when you know, you're going out afterwards and just the general schedule for the day. So pick a date and time. And then you need to pick a location which I make super easy with my list of top top places to propose in Washington, D.C. It's just a list of all the places I've, I've done proposals and a little mini review of you know what I think about them and the upsides and downsides of uh, those particular spots. Um, and once the location is uh, selected, we I, um, in conjunction with them, I pick a very specific spot. Like I, I, I'll send them a Google Maps pin with the exact GPS location of where they need to be. Um, I also send uh, marked up diagrams and maps showing exactly where they need to be, where I'll be, so they know, um, so they can you know see that I'm actually there before they propose, which is also part of the process to make eye contact with me, um, not like flirty eye contact, like, but just ooh, eyebrows and, raised, yeah, just regular <laughs> eye contact. Like, Hey, I see you and you see me. We're good for the proposal. So I have them do that. Um, after they get to the exact spot that we agreed on. And again, it's, I make it super simple to get to that spot because I give them multiple diagrams, multiple angles, um, um, to show, you know, which way they'll be facing, where they'll be relative to various other parts of wherever they're getting proposed, wherever they're doing the proposal. Um, so that is a big part of the process, logistics, um, just locking in the exact precise, super, you know, precise GPS location. Um, so everything is perfectly, you know, laid out. And then um, 
the night of or the day of coordination is is super key. I have them text me uh, when they leave their apartment or, or house or wherever they're coming from. Um, I have them text me when they're like five minutes away from the location. I have them text me. Well, I have one of them text me. Who's ever doing their proposing text me um, when they arrive on site. And then at that point, the eye contact happens. And then I, I uh, tell them they can propose anytime after that because I'll be ready. So that coordination the day of um, and the uh, the minutes leading up to the actual proposal is super, super important to ensure that, you know, the proposal is captured. Yeah, definitely. And, and that it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, hectic and chaotic and yeah. there's no like weird energy or anything. One time actually, um, I, I was doing a proposal and it was in the early morning, um, maybe like 8 a.m., which I usually not awake at that time, but I, I woke up early for, for the client. Um, but yeah, we had a spot picked out. I had the GPS spot, you know, I had the maps and the diagram showing exactly where they would be on the steps of the Lincoln. And I got there, I get there like 15, 20 minutes early. Um, I got there and there was like 200 people doing like CrossFit on the steps of the national Ma- on the steps of the, uh, the Lincoln Memorial. And I'm like, well, this is entirely unexpected. So I quickly, um, well, I freaked out for about 30 seconds and then I was like, okay, let's see what we can do here. I went around and I went up, you know, two or three levels of steps. You know, they were, they were down near the, the tidal basin, not the tidal basin, the reflecting pool. I always mix those two up down near the <laughs> reflecting pool. And, um, so I, I went up closer to the top of the monument, but I had to convey that to the, the guy, you know, in, in the space of five minutes, um, yeah. so he went to the correct spot. Um, so I snapped some pictures. I did some, I used, uh, the little markup tool in, you know, the, the, um, iPhone photos app and I drew a quick, really messy diagram with a huge red X and just like arrows. It was, co- it was coherent enough that it, it can make sense as to where they, they would, uh, where he would go to propose. And that, um, that worked. We text back to the force frantically. I sent diagrams and I described the position, you know, precisely. I was like, okay, you're going to want to be 50 feet from, you know, the, uh, the, the concrete pylon on the, you know, third tier of stairs up towards the Lincoln and I had the picture in the diagram and it worked out good. And we ended up, uh, successfully capturing the proposal. So these sort of things happen. You just, that's why I show up early. Yeah. Yeah. That's super important. Uh, and, you know, you never know what's going to like be weird in DC. It, it could always be like a weird road closure or a motorcade can go by and stop. Yeah, or a like, protest, a lot of protests, yeah. demonstrations, um, especially at the monuments. There's always, not always, but there's the demonstrations and protests at monuments. Um, relatively frequently um yeah so you just have to make sure if you as a photographer are there early to make sure yeah. that um you work, can work around it have enough time to work around it yeah that's super important because you know it's not it shouldn't be on the couple or whoever the person is that's planning the surprise to um to make those accommodations and have to think on their feet if there's a way you know around the um like the you know that's one of the reasons you hire a photographer so that yeah. you essentially don't have to worry on that day and of course i mean it, the contingency if there's a big if there's an issue and the contingency plan doesn't actually work out you as a photographer just have to be you know on your feet ready to move around just watch them like a hawk and wherever they walk regardless of whether or not it's the spot that you told them to walk to wherever they walk, just make sure you're in a position to capture the proposal um, with something nice in the background. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's, yeah, definitely. It's, it's that's why you don't want to hire a friend again, again um, to do these sorts of things. Cause I mean, I just went over like 15 minutes worth of logistics and planning. Um, your friend's not going to know any of that and you're going to get a really bad picture. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean if if pictures aren't your priority, then I totally get it, but if you do want it captured, um and I guess that leads into my next question, you know, why why bring a photographer? Why hire a photographer for your proposal? Um it sort of goes back to uh the personality type. Um if you're, you know, the kind of person super excited by the idea of like, you know, a public 
display of the celebration, then you'd want someone to capture it because you want to document it in the nicest way possible um, and the most comprehensive way possible. So you can look back and remember it since it was obviously it's such an important moment in your, in your mind. Some people just propose to each other, like sitting on the couch. It's like, Hey, let's get married. And like, okay, that sounds cool. You don't, you don't need photos of that. Well, you might, but generally you you don't, you don't want to get a photographer for that. But if you're in public and you have a setup like a picnic or it's a special date night, it's something you it's, you planned it out like a romantic moment. Um, it's good to have pictures of it um, to capture, you know, just the emotion of the day because you're not going to remember it. Um, most of the time, the person who's proposing tells me they don't, they don't remember doing the photo shoot afterwards. Like 15 minutes of photos, it's just like a blur because their like adrenaline is pumping through their body, and it's just like okay. I'm glad we got pictures because I didn't remember any of it um, except for the the one part where I was like, will you marry me? So, yeah, I don't remember what Philippe said to me. Yeah, but unfortunately I can't, I don't capture audio. Um, so you, you won't know what they said, but you'll see them. You'll see pictures of, you know, the reaction to what was being said. Although I yeah. should maybe join up with the videographer and pack do like a video package. It's not a bad idea because it is something, you know, a lot of people say they kind of like leave they a lot of people say they leave their body. Um which is such an odd not, thing to say, but because yeah, usually you say that in like a very negative situation. Yeah, like a, it's your but experience. like your mind goes like you just lose all memory of it in a lot of a lot of circumstances. Um and it is funny. People say they leave their body. It's like their brain shuts off and they're just – they're kind of so in the moment that they don't retain the moment afterwards. So having yeah. a video is definitely um, – that actually might be – honestly, that probably would be a time that I would choose video over um, at the proposal over um, at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that's I had a good to point. had a budgetary concern because you know we didn't do personal vows or anything we didn't need I mean although I didn't really I wouldn't have wanted I'm very private about I'm sure this is shocking to you Chris as I sit here podcasting to yes. the masses but um we're actually very private people so I wouldn't have wanted ours photographed also I made the worst face ever I was like jaw dropped like staring at him with like the weird terrified eyes because I was just so confused when he were yeah. well yeah I mean going back to like how how like why you should propose in, in public or not you have to know your partner like if if you don't know your partner well enough to know whether or not they'll be excited or terrified of having a proposal in public then you probably shouldn't be proposing to them just yet yeah maybe take probably- a beat on that yeah, you should probably know a little more about, you know, how they'd react in that situation because you don't want to have to propose to someone and then they just freeze. And Yeah, um, which is totally yeah. what I would have done. <laughs> never never happened. I've done over 100 proposals. Um, I think I've this year I've been averaging five or six a month, which is a lot. Um, but yeah. That's um, a lot. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, I, I just completely, completely lost my train of thought. Um, Anyway, you can continue with your questioning. <laughs> um, so, okay, let's assume you know whether or not you two – it works for you as a couple to have a photographer. Um, how do you choose the right photographer for you? What are some of the key um, points when you're looking at someone's portfolio and or communicating with them? Um, I mean, in terms of picking a photographer, it's just like picking a photographer for anything else. You have to, one, like their style, which is, yeah. I mean, it, I won't say the, uh, it's probably like, it's not most important. It's probably half as important. I mean, there's important parts of choosing a photographer. One is their personality, two is the style. If you like their style, but hate their personality, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. Um, if you love their personality and they're a horrible photographer, you're not going to have a good time. So you have to or look. you'll be you'll regret it later yes <laughs> you exactly yes so i mean it's just like choosing a photographer for a wedding you want to you know, like their style um and you want to be you, you want to know that you'll be comfortable with them and um you, you want to know you'll be comfortable with having them at such an important moment at such a um you know pivotal moment of their relationship you don't just want some some 
dude or chick, you know, just kind of there, you know, if you don't know how they're, how, how they work and how they think about the, the proposal. Um, let's see. Um, and in terms of like communication and things mm-hmm. like you, you've been going through, you know, I, I send them a map, I send them yeah. like this and that and all those things, you know, how, um, what would be some things that would help people determine whether or not they need that level of expertise versus, um, you know, somebody who's just going to show up and shoot? Um, well, in my opinion, you need that level. Of, you, you, everyone needs that level of expertise, whether or not they know it. Um, I agree. You, if you're proposing to someone, you don't want to leave anything up to chance. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna choose, a, if you're gonna hire a photographer for a couple hundred bucks, um, and you, uh, you want to be sure that they're gonna capture it. You want to, you obviously, are um, at the point where you know, you know, at some level, a friend's not gonna do the capturing um, effectively. So you're hiring a photographer. So m- make sure you hire a photographer who knows what they're doing and who has, you know, a deep, uh, a deep knowledge of the, the process. I mean, cause like I said, yeah. I've done a hundred of these things, my process, I add to my process pretty much every time I do a shoot something, I, I think of something new and I add it to my, you know, my how to guide that I send to all my, my clients on, you know, the process of the logistics of doing the proposal. Um, for example, recently, well, um, I, I had two couples recently, who I, I did, I shot the proposal, but, um, the person they were proposing to, um, was not looking towards the camera. So I didn't capture their facial reactions. And, um, the person proposing was displeased that I did not capture their facial reactions, um, which is understandable, but at the same time, that's completely out of, out of my control. Um, for many reasons, I can't just like yell, Hey, turn around, face me. Um, so now as part of my process, I draw, uh, on my diagrams, I clearly indicate lines of sight. Um, and I tell them and I tell them, okay, you need to make sure that her or his back is to the monument and your back is to me. You need to have that happen. Otherwise I cannot guarantee I will get their facial expression, which is important. And I make it abundantly clear that that's the only way to ensure um, that I get the facial reaction. And I even, I even put that in my contract and bolded it just because I, I want to make it super abundantly clear. This must be one of your highest considerations. If you care about, you know, capturing their facial expression, which most people do. Yeah. I mean, of course, like there's so many things that are out of control. If, if the fate, you know, you can't jump in the water and, um, I understand it's a very, it's a very stressful moment and I probably wouldn't be able to remember anything someone told me in that moment. Um, but if there's one thing I, you know, try to stress to people is that to remember in that stressful situation is just make sure they're facing me or at least sideways to me, as long as their back's not to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and another consideration in that is that oftentimes your photographer is using a, um, you know, a a telephoto lens Mm -hmm. because they don't want to be part of your moment. They want to capture your moment and you don't want them up in your space. Um, so, you know, it, for them to then run to another location, they can miss that whole moment, um, because it is a larger arc. So, um, if you're on your knee for 10 seconds, there's absolutely no way I could get to another spot, um, which would capture the other person's, uh, you know, reaction to the proposal. Yeah. 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 I totally am with you. I mean, I was upset that I didn't capture their facial expression. And like I said, it's understandable in those two situations that, you know, they weren't entirely pleased that I didn't capture the facial expression, but you know, it's a proposal. I make it abundantly clear that everything is not, not everything's up to chance, but there's a, you know, there's a, a good portion of the logistical um, planning that, you know, stresses that even though there's, there's logistical planning, a lot of this is left up to chance and we have to just sort of accept that. 
Yeah. There are a lot of moving parts. There are a lot of variables. And that's one of the reasons that you hire somebody um, that I would encourage everyone listening to hire somebody who has that level of expertise in that thorough, um, you know, who is that thorough so that the moment goes as smoothly as possible. So you don't have to think about it when it's happening. You know, you already are on autopilot knowing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Moving parts and variables is a way better way of saying it than how I said it. So I'm glad that you you said that. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here and joining me on The Wedding Dish today. How can people find you online? Um, they can check out my website at chrisforenzi.com um, for the spelling. Just look in the show notes because it's hard to spell. Um, people always misspell it. And if I spell it out loud, you'll mistake the N for an M or the Z for a C. So just 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 look at the show notes. Or you can go to my Instagram at Chris Delta, just Chris and then D-E-L-T-A. It has nothing to do with the Delta variant. Um, I thought of that the other day. I have, I've had that, that, that name, that screen name since like 1996. And it's based off Star Trek Voyager because of course it is because they were in the Delta quadrant of yep. the, the galaxy. So hence Chris Delta. But now it's sort of, it's sort of, sort of taken on a new, a new meaning, which is unfortunate, but I know, I know. Um, I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna hope it, um, hope it, you know, I can, I can weather the storm with my screen name, which is one of the most important things, right? Oh yes, of course. That is of utmost yeah. importance. Um, yes. And I would definitely check Chris's, um, Instagram out, check out his website. He is a super talented photographer. Um, he's one of my favorite people to work with. Um, he's also one of the people that I love receiving his preview photos that he sends me. Um, cause we share, you know, we're friends. So we share some of our favorite photos from different things that we do. And, um, and I just love it cause it's always something different and cool and really unique and it's very inspiring. Well, that's, that's so like, nice of I you. Inspi- I like being <laughs> inspiring. <laughs> I really shocked you on that, didn't I? You did. I kind of wish you all could see his face. He was a little bit like I hit him with a, a um, sock with a tennis ball in it or something. Yeah, I, I've never been, never thought of myself as inspiring, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, you gotta, because I said it. There we go. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here. Uh, It's always such a pleasure to have you. Um, And I appreciate all of you tuning into The Wedding Dish today. And if you would like to give us a follow on Instagram, you'll see some of Chris's awesome photos on there um, at The Wedding Dish Podcast. And you can visit our website, theweddingdishpodcast.com to read our show notes, apply to be a guest on the show. Um, You can donate so that we can keep bringing you juicy wedding tips and tricks from couples and wedding pros alike. And you can get the transcripts from this episode because we are committed to accessibility. And don't forget to turn, tune in next week. We have another amazing wedding um, story that we're talking about. And until then, cheers, everybody.